0: I want to invite our school age kiddos uh to the back uh with their teachers. Um with Miss Robin. Woo woo! Um Miss Robin, such a blessing to us and all of our kiddos, isn't she? Yeah. Man, amen. Woo. All right. Um I am excited to be here. That's probably an understatement a little bit. Uh It really is a joy to be with you guys uh, this morning, to to see baptism happening in our faith family, to see new life happening is a real joy and honor. Will you guys stay with me as we read from God's word? We're in the book of Philippians. We'll be in chapter 2 today uh, in verse 14. The apostle Paul to the church in Philippi says this, Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without a blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ, I may be proud that I do not run in vain or labor in vain. Even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you should also be glad and rejoice with me. It's the word of the Lord. You may be seated. So uh, uh, Luke is um, out of town with uh, Miss Leslie and Leighton and Lydia. They're in New Orleans celebrating a church that Miss Leslie and uh, Brother Larry planted 30 years ago in New Orleans. And they're having an anniversary of day, and they're there to celebrate. That's right. That's the reason to celebrate. And so uh, they're not here. And Luke asked me to preach, and I knew I was going to be baptizing today. My son, so I was so excited. I was like, Luke, what am I preaching? And I go to the text, and it says, "Do not grumble." And I'm like, wow, that's an exciting text to preach today, um, because it's just—if we're honest—it's not a fun topic, is it? And here's the real bummer: is that like a lot of my family's here, and if people know who grumble in you, it's your family knows that, right? They have seen you grumble at your worst, and so. Um, I can't lie today, guys, my family's here. And so, um, you know, when you talk about this idea of grumbling and, and this phrase from Paul that says, do all things, not like do good things, without, but but do all things without grumbling or disputing. There's kind of two reactions I found. First, the reaction is this right here, to hear this and then talk about others they know that grumble a lot, right? Like you say, we should not grumble. Oh, I know, my coworker, they are always grumbling with a bad attitude, right? There's that. Or this second thing, this idea that this, this kind of grumbling spirit is like a personality trait. Well, you know, like, it's, I'm, I'm a realist. I'm, not being a gr- I'm just a realistic person. Things are bad sometimes. I just call them out. And I think there's this, if I'm, there's this sense that we don't take this seriously. I think we have this belief in, if, as followers of Jesus in the West, in America, we believe this, that we can confess to Jesus with our mouth, do some good things, but still have a bad attitude, right? So I'm going to say something that's going to step on like all of our toes for just a minute, but here it is. Just get ready. Grumbling is a picture of an unsurrendered and ungrateful heart. Sorry. Grumbling is a picture of an unsurrendered and ungrateful heart. That hurts. Listen, this passage has been a pain in my side all week long. Because when you you study about grumbling, you realize how much you grumble every day, correct? And how you have not just grumbling words. How about this? A grumbling spirit. That sometimes you do things, but you don't do it out of joy. (laughs) You do it out like, all right, I got to do this. But you see, grumbling reveals. It reveals our truest heart. And the tension for many of us, including me, is this. Jesus does not simply want us to do some religious-type things and and walk around with an ungrateful heart and a sour spirit. Hear this. Sometimes Christians are the worst grumblers there are. But hear this. Jesus did not come simply for our external actions, for the outside the cup stuff. Jesus came for it all, didn't he? For outside the cup and inside the cup. Here's an example of this. I'm gonna be honest today. I'm normally honest, uh, but I'll be honest today. Um, Most days I wake up, I am not a morning person. Uh, My wife Tracy and my boy Connor, they are morning people. Like the alarm goes off, they pop up, it's a new day. They're like this right here. I'm like, be quiet. And like, I don't want to get up. I'm like in a bad mood. And I just feel a sense of heaviness. And it's not this sense I'm like grateful for another day. It's like, oh, here we go. Maybe y'all can relate. I wake up, I feel overwhelmed. Many days I'm tired. Many days I'm sad, and as I'm wrestling with this passage this week, I had to like really, especially this morning, evaluate and repent of an unjoyful, grumbling spirit that I live with most days. Because hear this, friends, and God really showed me this this morning. He came to bring us abundant life. Do you hear that? Like, not just like, oh, here we go, but like a joy to love and serve others. Maybe you wait relate to this. For years, for years, I prayed that God would give me the life I'm living right now. Uh, the role as one of your pastors, which I have prayed for, but many days feels more like a burden than a joy. I prayed for my kiddos for years, and I have healthy kids who love Jesus and bring me joy. And most days, um, they feel like a burden, not a joy. I've prayed for God to provide financially and God has over and over and over and over again. But yet too many times um, I grumble, I'm uncontent, and I want more. Is that just me? Here's what I want us to hear today is that change is possible, that we can change. This grumbling spirit has infected our world, hasn't it? Turn on social media for like two minutes, and you will see the grumbling, demonic spirit of the world. That's right, isn't it? And, and what Paul is saying in our passage today is that we, the Jesus people, should look differently. So in my household, we have light bulbs go out. And um, yours too, I'm assuming, unless you have magic light bulbs. If you do, let me know what they are. And um, I can change a light bulb, guys. Here we go. That's right. I can't do many things, but I can change a light bulb. Um, that's a big deal in my household. It really is. Um, and, uh, and you get light bulbs, and you run out of the pack, and you get a new pack. You don't remember what the old kind were, and you put in the two light bulbs. They're different colors. Have y'all done that before? And here is the deal, is that the church of Jesus Christ should have a unified and beautiful and bright light, Right? But too many times, our light bulb looks the same as the the world, right? We're discontent, we're grumbling, we're anxious, we we don't have peace, we don't have joy. And Paul is exhorting this church and and through the Holy Spirit exhorting us today that no, 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 we should look different. And here here is the heart of this passage in our big idea today. Are we going to be a grumbling people or are we going to be a blessing people? that's the question are are we going to be a people who live their lives grumbling or a people that are known as blessers have you ever been around a blesser before those people when your phone rings and it's them oh i want to talk to them or in their worst moments you just see this joy come out of them are we gonna be those holy spirit filled people are we gonna be the dingy lamp (laughs) that's not showing the love of jesus grumbling people live and grumble from an ungrateful spirit. Blessing people live and bless others from a grateful spirit. So here's our goals. we walk this passage today. I want to answer three questions. First, what is grumbling? Like, what is grumbling exactly? Second, if we all are grumblers, and we can all probably, don't raise your hands, but we can just in our hearts raise our hands that we tend to grumble sometimes, right? Well, how do we change? How do we progress? Paul says in Corinthians, um, how do we go from one degree of glory to another? Take that one step. How do we change? And third, how do we help? There is this thing inside, I think, every person made the image of God that we know something's broken something's not right in the world and so there's this desire that we want to help bring change and restoration and the gospel so how do we help so what is grumbling how do we change how do we help let's go to philippians 2 real quick back to philippians 2 philippians 2 we see paul talking so what is grumbling luke preached last week on i can't get there bible drill come on help me out here Philippians two. Here we go. Paul talked. I mean, Luke talked last week about this phrase: um, "Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you." So Paul is talking about this this really big idea of how people become like Jesus, like here's the deal. We all want to become better people, right? There is this, you can go to the bookstore right now, or I guess Amazon right now, and find millions of books on how to get better as a person. There's something inside of us that knows we need to mature. And for a person whose faith is in Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, that's even deeper. That we have this calling to become more like Jesus. And Paul talks about Doing this, working out your salvation, becoming more like him. But then Paul, in the next phrase in this letter to this church, goes right to grumbling. That makes, like, if I'm thinking about, if I'm talking to you about how you improve your faith, become more like Christ, in my mind, there's like 30 other things I'm going to first. But Paul goes right to grumbling. And here's why. So Paul was the start start of this church in Philippi through all these miraculous acts, and so Paul loves these people, and so Paul, almost like an architect of a building, is sitting back and he wants to see this beautiful house, beyond display for the world to see, but he sees the cracks in the foundation, and in this church, the cracks were grumbling. They were grumbling with each other, grumbling against God. There was this real grumbling spirit, and so Paul knows that grumbling is not just some simple thing that we do or a personality trait that grumbling goes deeper. And this word grumbling" here really is a reference to the people of Israel in the wilderness. So if you 're new to church at all, um, a part of the Christian faith is the story of the Israelites. People who were in slavery in Egypt. And they cried out to their God, and their God rescued them, sent this man Moses to be their leader, and got them out of slavery and brought them to life. Go to Exodus 16, and we'll kind of, we're going to see what Paul is talking about here. Exodus 16, I think it's on the screen. Yeah, there it is, verse, verse 1. It says here, They set out from Elim, and all the congregation of the people of Israel came to the wilderness of sin which is between Elam and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after they departed from the land of Egypt. And the whole congregation of the people, not like a few bad apples, everybody, friends, everybody of Israel, grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. Listen, grumbling has been around for a long time, friends. And it says here, the people of Israel said to them, would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt. When we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full. Remind you, they were slaves, friends. They weren't at like the Hilton. They were like slaves. It says, for you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. And we get this keen insight about grumbling. Grumbling is rooted in forgetting what God has done. Grumbling is rooted in forgetting what God has done. In a sense, grumbling equals spiritual amnesia. And this spiritual amnesia makes people who've been rescued from the slavery of sin cry out for that former harsh master again. Like walking in death, walking in slavery, finding freedom, but forgetting the freedom that you have. This is the warning that Paul is giving his friends here. Do not long for your former slavery. Have you forgotten? Like, we just witnessed this beautiful picture of death to life. And kids and teenagers that get baptized today, that's a spiritual marker for you. It's a spiritual milestone for you. But have you forgotten I will tell you, sometimes the pain of this world makes it hard to remember, doesn't it? Makes it easy to forget. Grumbling. I will say this, a quick note about grumbling and what it's not. Grumbling, there's these, this, another word here we see in the Psalms called lamenting, which is this sense of crying out to God. Gr- not grumbling does not equal not being honest with God. Does that make sense? Like there are times in this world when the pain of this world is a lot. If you're crying tears, that does not mean you're grumbling. If you see an injustice that angers you, that's not grumbling. Things are not right, friends. That We should not be okay with those things. But here is the difference. Grumbling, lamenting is crying out to God, but knowing he's there knowing he's good grumbling is throwing everything under the bus there are times in this world friends because our savior did this right in the garden he was lamenting to god crying out to god sweating tears and blood saying god if this cup can pass take it but what does he end with but your will be done so friends, don't take this do not grumble as like becoming this like plastic, fake kind of Christian where there's this plastic smile and pain underneath. That's not what God is saying, no. But there is this sense with a grumbling spirit at the root, we forget what God has done. But see, grumbling, it's not just forgetting. As we look at the words of Jesus, it's something much deeper. Uh, Matthew 12 says this, for out of the overflow of the heart's, This is so terrible. The mouth speaks. Out of the overflow of the heart, what you really are on the inside comes out through the mouth. And we all go home and cry. (laughs) Right? He says in Matthew 15, the things that come out of the mouth come from the heart, and these make a man unclean. Luke 6, the good man brings good things out of the good, stored up in his heart. And the evil man brings evil out of the evil stored up in his heart. Grumbling reveals what our hearts are hoping in. Grumbling reveals what our hearts are hoping in. This is such a needed reminder from Paul and Jesus today. Remember, He did not come, Jesus, to simply make things look better on the outside. He came that this joy would be the center of who you are, that his love and his goodness would overwhelm us in such a way that out comes joy. Grumpy and grumbling faith is not a Jesus faith. But here's the good news. I will say this. In our grumpiness and our grumbling, his love is still there. Don't feel today like, oh, gosh, if you saw the way my soul was or the words I use. God sees and God still loves you. He's still right there. Friends, here's what I want you to hear. We should not be okay. Hear this. Hear this. Hear this. I really want you to hear this. We should not be okay with a non-joyful and a forced faith. Does that make sense? I think we've gotten used to, like, faking our joy hear this Jesus promised abundant life friends and if we're not walking abundant life we should do a check at what's going on so when we forget of our hope and when our hope is in the lesser we grumble and this gets to Paul's big idea here look back at verse 14 again in Philippians 2 do all things without grumbling or disputing here it comes that you may be blameless and innocent children of god without blemish in the midst of a crooked and a twisted generation among whom you shine so the world is this way but the church of jesus christ looks and shines differently but the problem is grumbling reduces our light grumbling distorts our light hear this. In a sense, what Paul is saying is that the Philippians are to be a sign of light and beauty in a world of darkness and ugliness. They are to be a sign of God's new life in a world that only knows the way to death. We're the people of life that should look different amongst a people of death. So grumbling is forgetting what God has done. Grumbling reveals our hearts And grumbling reduces our light. And as I wrestled this week with this idea, let me pray for us for a second. Uh, Dear Heavenly Father, I do feel a sense that we as a people, there is a depth to our apathetic and grumbling spirit, Father, that we do not understand. Father, through your Holy Spirit, would you simultaneously convict us, but also remind you of, of your love for us? That we feel the weight of our sin, but we don't run to shame and run from you. We feel the weight and we run to our loving Father. Right now in this moment, would you do that to our hearts? We love you, Jesus. Amen. This feels so deep. Like, I, I, I'm, I'm like a thousand percent honest with you guys right now. Like, this kind of like, oh, spirit is so deep in me, it can feel impossible to change. Right? It feels impossible to change. It's a question. How do we change? Look at verse 16. My friend Paul, I think we're friends. We're brothers. I call my friend. He's not here. He can't tell me now. <laughs> verse 16. This is what he says here. Holding fast to the word of life. Holding fast to the word of life. If you don't mind, if you have your Bible, underline that. Write it down in your notebook. Holding fast to the word of life. If you feel neck deep in a grumbling spirit, hold fast to the word of life. If you feel today that you have gone too far, hold fast to the word of life. In short... This means stay tethered to Jesus, stay tethered to him. So years ago, we went to China to adopt Hattie, and it cost way too much money. But the kicker was we had to bring like $8,000 in cash to China to give some random person. I don't know what it was for. It seemed shady, but we had to do it. And so when she's here, we're not in trouble. So it all worked out good. But I'll never forget, friends, being in airports, being because it took like a week to like find this random person to pay off. And I had $8,000 tethered to me for like a week going through airports. And I was scared to death I was going to lose this money. I have never held something so tightly in my life. It was tethered to me. And friends, in the same way, Paul is saying, hold fast to the word of life. We have no idea how needed, how valuable, and how beautiful this word of life is for us. And we have these loose hands with it, and we wonder why our joy is incomplete. Because we've had loose hands with the word of life. It's almost like we need vitamin D, but we don't get outside of the sun like we have this thing that we can access, but we run from it at all times. We're not receiving the nourishment of the truth of the blessings of God. Friends, we're not blessers because we're not receiving the blessing often enough. And we live in a world that is distracting us from holding on to Jesus. Too many times we hold fast to things that are not Jesus, right? We hold fast the lesser. We hold fast to our bank accounts. We hold fast to our jobs. We hold fast to our reputations. We hold fast even sometimes to good things. We hold fast to church things, to responsibilities, to good works, to good acts, to religions, but we don't hold fast to Jesus. And Jesus, friends, hear this. Jesus is the only thing that will bring you the hope, the life, the joy, and the peace that the depths of our souls are longing for. And it's only found in Him, friends. Do all the good things you want to do. Yes, and amen. But there is a beauty. There is a hope. There's a joy. There's a peace. There's a stop striving in our souls when we just hold fast to Jesus and the work that He has already done. It is finished, friends. But here, here is the, the key for us. We have to learn to hold fast to Jesus in all of life, not just portions of us, not this 10% here, 10% there. It's the whole thing to him. Friends, he didn't come for just a few good things. He wants all of you. And here is the good news. You're probably sitting in your chair just like me and said, Jason, if you only knew. All the things in my past, all the things in my present, all the things I have planned for the future that are against God's ways. Here's the good news. God does know. Well, what is God doing? God is still pursuing. He is still loving. He's still after. So no matter where you are today, God is near and God wants you. But we have to give him all. So here's three ways we hold fast. I apologize for screaming. Three ways to hold fast. First, we have to hold fast in our head. This is Paul saying renewing of our minds. Renewing of our minds. Friends, are you aware of how many images and messages are being sent to your mind and your head every single day? There has never been a time in the history of the world where our minds are as under attack as they are now. And here is the simple truth. Social media and YouTube is doing a better job of forming our minds than the Word of God is. I'll say that again. Social media, YouTube is doing a better job of forming our minds, renewing our minds to what is true than the Bible is. What this really looks like is we have to learn to meditate on the words of Jesus. We have to have these words on the tip of our lips and our minds at all times. Here's why. Because a lesser word comes in and it implants in our minds and our mouths down to our hearts we have to implant the greater word, right? We have to implant the greater word or the lesser word or the million lesser words coming at us are gonna steal our joy. And they're gonna create a hopelessness. They're gonna create a, a, a striving orphan spirit that wants to work for more. When friends, it is finished. But we don't have that word on our hearts and minds. So we have to hold fast in our head. Second, we have to hold fast in our hearts. This is this picture of remembering. Remembering that he saved us from sin and from slavery. You know what helps my heart remember? Is other brothers and sisters. There are a thousand times a week where my soul is down and a brother or sister in Christ remind me of what is true. And and there's, I think, a lot of work for all of us in this room to do if you're not a part of a faith community, I would encourage you that you need have people who know you, who know you deeply, who love Jesus, and will speak truth and remind you of what is true in your life. And maybe you had that in your life, but you've kind of put up walls, right? Like, well, I don't want to be truly known. If you're not truly known, then your heart can be truly encouraged. So have to find ways to remember that he saved us from sin and slavery. Hold fast in our head, hold fast in our heart. Third, hold fast with our hands this is where we fall short most times friends go to Matthew 28 real quick a passage you've been in church you've heard before Matthew 28 and we just did one of the things today that we're commanded to do in, in baptism Matthew 28 verse 19 This is Jesus' great commission. This is him before he leaves. He's like, hey, here's my last word. I'm out. He says in verse 19. He says, go therefore and make attenders. No, don't say that. Make uh, converts. No, it doesn't say that. Make members. No, he said, what does he say here? Make disciples. 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 Friends who got baptized today. Connor Hayes, you got baptized today. Um, sorry, you're in here with me. Um, this is not a one-time act. Jesus did not come to simply make converts. Jesus came to make followers of him. You know what this world needs? It's followers of Jesus. Not people who simply know about God and said a prayer... People need those who see Jesus, know Jesus, follow Jesus, obey Jesus. He wants all the things about you, your head, your hearts, and your hands. And if there's not obedience, friends, what does he say in Matthew 7? Uh, the man who hears these words but does not obey, what's his house like? It's going to float away, right? But if we hear these words and we obey these words, what's our, what's our house on? Solid foundation, an abundant life foundation, foundation so friends the way that we hold fast is we renew our minds and our heads we preach the gospel to our hearts and then friends we obey i heard this great phrase i don't know who said it uh, about going out to the mission of god And, and the reason they go out and they do these things the least of these and they preach the gospel is not just to do those things but it's just it's just right here because you can find jesus in those places when you go and you sit with our friends at the, at the love well, at the hub, you find Jesus there, friends. Talk to my friend Caroline about going overseas and being a missionary to those people. You find Jesus there. When you go to your neighbor who's at the end of their rope, uh, the marriage is failing, they want to give up. and you go and you minister to those people, you find Jesus there, friends. Many times we miss out on the abundance of life because we're not stepping into Jesus' kingdom ways. That's not about us. To hold fast our head, our hearts, and our hands, we surrender our actions to do what He says. Hear this today change is possible. Here is the good news for me I am not the same man that I was 10 years ago. Am I perfect? No. Am I a train wreck? Yes. I am less of a traitor than I was 10 years ago because change is real, because God is good. Amen real inside out long lasting change is possible but hear this it requires effort grace is not opposed to effort it's opposed to earning we have nothing to earn but grace is not opposed to effort it requires pursuit and hear this friends it will take the rest of your life that's why our teacher our rabbi jesus says take up your cross what yearly quarterly daily take it up daily because every day there's work to do but God is so good and patient. Think about this. If you're a parent in this room, or if you're an uncle or an aunt, or if you love a child, and say that child, the other day Hayes asked me, Dad, will you love me forever? I said, of course. He said, what if I killed somebody? That's what he said. Sorry, Hayes. Um, (laughs) I said, yes, I'd still love you. Every parent in this room would agree with me, right? There's nothing that your child can do to lose your love and lose your pursuit. Here is the good news our love for our kids is not in the same ballpark of God's love for us. That should warm our hearts, friends. But as we change, as we change from, as Paul says in Corinthians, from one degree to another, one degree to another, one degree to another, we begin to look different. That light becomes brighter. This church begins to look different. Our community sees something different. Which goes to our last question. How do we help? If we see what grumbling is, if we see how we can change. Well, how do we as the church help? How do we help in a dark world be actual light? Look at verse 15 again. Be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked, twisted world, among whom you shine as lights in the world. Hold fast the word of life. So the day of Christ, I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. Hear this, friends. Grumblers do not shine. They project death, not life and light. Blessers show the light of Jesus. Matthew 5. And Jesus' great Sermon on the Mount, you are the light of the world. Friends, I want to tell you, as followers of Jesus, as the church of Jesus Christ, that means us. There's, there's not another plan out there. We're, we're the light. You're the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others. So that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Blessers show the light of Jesus. So we help by being a community of blessers. The, the task we're given as light is to be a community of blessers in word and in deed. Blessing is, I think, one of the untapped skills of the church. So I haven't. So I used to um, lift weights back. I don't want to say this. <laughs> back, I did a uh, long time ago. Um, at this point in my life, it's an untapped skill. That's how I would say this. In the same way, us being a blessing, we're really weak, guys. We are me on the squat machine right now. So there's three ways that I think we can grow to shine bright by blessing. Three ways that we shine bright by blessing. First, we bless each other. The people of God. This is what Jesus prayed in John 17, right? That the world will know the love of the Father through the way that we love each other. One of the greatest ways we shine bright in a divided world is by blessing our brothers and sisters in Christ. Because brothers and sisters in Christ, we're not bound together by the things that bound the world together, right? We're, we're not bound by what we look like. We're not bound by how much money we make. We're not bound by our politics. We're bound by one thing, right? The finished work of Jesus. And so we can shine bright by blessing each other. And, and really, this is the aim of Paul's passage today in the Church of Philippi. that they would not grumble with one another, but they would bless one another. Friends, you have no idea of the power of your words, of the power of blessing. There are too many people, you might be in this room, even today. uh, You hear somebody get baptized, and you've been a part of the church for a long time, and you have not seen that the church is a community of blessers. That you're coming in here and you're almost hiding. Because the church has hurt you and done you so wrong. I want to say I'm sorry and tell you this. That is not the church of Jesus Christ. The church of Jesus Christ is a place that's only filled with sinners. And us as sinners should be the first to move out with blessing. We should overflow with grace and mercy, mercy and blessing to each other. We should call up and not call out, right? Right? Uh, Too many times uh, we gossip and back away instead of loving, pursuing, and blessing. So first, we should bless each other. Second, we bless when it's hard. We shine really bright as Jesus' people when we bless when it's hard. Uh, One of the greatest calling cards of the Christians in the New Testament is this, that they could love and walk in peace in the midst of really, really hard things. And I know in this room, just being one of your pastors, there are men and women and kids and teenagers that are walking through really, really hard things right now. We remind you Paul's context in writing this passage. Paul is writing his friends from prison and he did nothing wrong. He's writing from prison. He's talking about this passage being poured out as an offering. And here's what he means to this church. Guys, he says, if I die and suffer because of this, my life and my work is in good hands through you. That he is willing, almost joyful, to pour his life out as an offering. You see this blessing in the midst of the heart. What did our Savior do, do at the cross, before the cross? He blessed his friends by washing their feet. What did Stephen do in Acts when he's being stoned to death? He blesses the people that are stoning him in the midst of hard. And friends, I know that many of you are walking through the hard right now. There are teachers in here right now that are praising God at fall break, that are overwhelmed by the impossible task in front of them, but they're blessing through the heart. There's single parents in this room that are working jobs, watching kids, that are exhausted, but are still blessing other people in our church. My friend, Miss Paula at the Hub, been to the Hub, you know Miss Paula. Um, she did not have much in this life, but when I go once a month to share a meal with her, she blesses my socks off. She blesses in the midst of the heart. There's a person right here who's sick, who has cancer, who has this disease they can't get back from, but they think about others when you come in the room. They're blessing through the heart. Hear this, friends. Sometimes we bless others with tears in our eyes. And many times it's that blessing that has an eternal impact. Finally, the last one we bless. This one's fun right here. We bless our enemies. In a world where enemies are canceled, the church blesses. Hear this. In a world where your enemies are canceled, the church blesses. Friends, we are different. Matthew 5. Once again, our Jesus says this, verse 43. You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Here he comes. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. Do you hear that, friends? The family business is loving our enemies. And friends, have we gone totally wrong here? Is the church known for blessing their enemies? Do we have that kind of supernatural love for others? But I believe in blessing our enemies this is where the church has the potential to shine the brightest. And maybe where the church in 2022 has failed the most. So the enemy is this. This is the person who was ugly to you at your work. This is the person who lets you down over and over and over again. This is the person who lies about you. This is the person whose politics you think are crazy. This is the person who who has let you down and betrayed you. This is your enemy. But in, here's the beauty. In blessing your enemy and not grumbling against your enemy, two things happen. First, your soul is released doing the family of business. And second, you shine bright in a dark world. So here's the question we're going with. Do we want to be a community of grumblers? Or... We want to be a community of blessers. A blessing community can transform our little world. And here's the beauty of the gospel. Where you've blown it, where you've been the grumbler, where you've had a a bad attitude, there's grace. There's mercy. He's still pursuing you. He wants to bring you in to do the family work of loving each other, of loving in the hard, and and loving our enemies. So we're going to end today with space to do that. If you will get your, get your cards out, you're given a little blue card inside your little connection guide. And if you did not get a connection guide, please raise your hand and we'll get you a connection guide. But I'd like for all of us to practice together being a community of blessers. I know this is a bit different. We're not going to do a community today. We're going we're gonna to reflect and we're going to do this. We're going to take a few moments here and we are going to fill out this little blue card. And I'm going to direct you to do one of three things on this blue card. First, maybe you want to bless somebody in this room, to bless one another, to just write a word of encouragement, a word of blessing to one of your brothers and sisters in Christ right here in this room. Be a great time, a great space to do that right now to practice being a community of blessers. Second, you might be in the midst of the hardest time in your life. Can I encourage you as a pastor to just write down your heart and to bless God in the midst of that heart. Say, God, I can't go and I can't do any more. But God, I know you're near. Just write a word of blessing in the midst of heart to your father in heaven who loves you and sees you. Or third, I want to go in deep waters today. Bless your enemy. There could be a person. It's mine, your family a neighbor, a coworker, a person you know, who would you consider your enemy? Maybe today's the day to break free of that, to repent of your sin and write a word of blessing and forgiveness to your enemy. So one of those three things, bless one another, bless in the heart, bless an enemy. I'm off with the band on stage. Uh, Retro's gonna play for a minute. Uh, if you need a card, they're in the back on the table, grab you a card right there. But as they're playing, I want you to have space to truly write out this blessing to somebody, to practice being a community of blessers. Let me pray for us. Dear Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for your gospel. Thank you for being faithful when I am not. Father, help us today to receive the blessing of your love and to in turn be a community of blessing. Father, I pray and ask right now that your love, your goodness would wash over us in this room and that uh, being a people, a community of blessing would not be a forced grin and bear it kind of thing but we from the depths of your love for us will have abundant life and joy and love for others father move we love you we ask pray all this in your name amen hey friends uh if you're here and blessing in the heart and all the things there's a lot for you, you need prayer we have a prayer team right in the background that wants to pray with you and encourage you in the midst of whatever you're walking through. So take a few moments at your at your seats. Write down. Talk to God. Do some work.